the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, good afternoon, everyone, on this uh, boy. Well, yesterday was a great day. Today is not the greatest day, but it is a Monday. And if you're going to get some rain and have a little bit of a lousy day, Monday's actually kind of a good day to get it out of the way. And seemingly it is. We're going to have a little more rain this afternoon and then a little more rain this evening. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You Always listen online at the website, which is depetro.com. This portion of our show is brought to you by JKL Engineering. Now, whether you're living in Rhode Island or Massachusetts, you can depend on JKL. With JKL Engineering, they're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call them today, 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600 for JKL Engineering. Remember, with JKL, estimates are free. Financing is available Central Air is far more affordable than you think. J.K.L. Engineering, give them a call at 401-351-7600, 401-351-7600 for J.K.L. Engineering. Folks, I want to play some of uh, the Mayor Province Mayor Laws appeared on Newsmakers with uh, Tim White and Ted Nisi. And let's do a little stop and start. I want to float a bond to borrow anywhere between... 700 million and 850 million dollars and and put it into the city's uh, pension fund which is only 22 percent funded in a letter to the general assembly this week general treasurer seth magaziner called your idea quote a risky strategy with a mixed track record and a gamble yeah. what do you say to him so uh, a lot of different things the first is you know we got to remember that this is a ticking time bomb for the city the reality is that we don't have many options, many good options, and so we're going to continue to press this conversation to make sure that it's on the fore of everyone's mind because it's something that has to be addressed. It's something that we can't kick the can down the road any any longer on. So I'll say something about the general treasurer. I'll say that uh, you know what I appreciate about him is that he is genuinely taking the time to understand not only what it is that we're doing, but why we're trying to do it. So I've had. I've had several conversations directly with him, and it's my my experience that when we explain to folks not the general uh, general thoughts around pension obligation bonds, but the particular circumstances that Providence is in, also with the particulars of the plan that we're putting forward, we win people over. And so we're answering all of his questions, and I'm hopeful that we can come up with a solution that not only he will support, but we can have even broader support for. But I think this is really important. To Let's just stop the tape just for a moment. We're on an unsustainable we need to push and ask them. I want to just stop the tape for a moment. Um, the, the city of Providence, it is, it is beyond irresponsible that they still are even doing pensions. Pensions should have been done away with a long time ago. Uh, the, 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 the work staff in the city is very bloated. All of these people with, quote, their pensions, it should be done away with. It, it, it should, they got to go to 401k. And a lot of the people, they should give them their money back if they're not that far in. Here's the money back. The contributions are, are minuscule. Providence pensions are completely ridiculous. Uh, I'm not even going to you know, get into some of the firefighters and those famous P, uh, CNC pension liability. 
tax-free disability pensions that a bunch of them went out with. I think it was in 1991. The biggest one, uh, he's now getting 300. When he left, he was making 60,000 as the chief. His pension now is over 200,000. If he lives to be 100 years old with colas, his pension will rise to 800,000 a year. It's he's not wrong about a ticking time bomb, but they're not doing anything about it. They need to immediately nobody, no more pensions, no more. Anyone else coming in has to go into a 401k. Folks, because the problem is and a lot of them say, hey, I paid into that. Well, the fact is they they pay in over a number of years. Let's just say they pay 50,000 and then they're taking two million out (laughs) with free health care. Now, why this is important, though. And good afternoon, right now at 110, and it's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, why this is important is this thing goes belly up. Who do you think they're going to be looking for to pay for it? Look in the mirror, all the other communities. All right, so let's continue. This is Newsmakers, Providence Mayor Jorge Elosa, with Tim White, Ted Nisi. Well, if not this, what are we going to do? Because doing nothing is not an option. So it's important to tackle this issue, and we're going to keep this, uh, this issue and the conversation going. You know, I, you're not going to hear this, but as I canvass folks at the State House, I, I've, I heard a ton of skepticism. And it's hard right now for me to see this passing with just a, a couple of weeks left. And you've said the timing right now is very important. You said in your testimonies that listening. The risk of doing nothing is very grave and severe. What what happens if this doesn't happen right now? Yeah, well, it, we know that the... So uh, think about the city's budget as a whole. We have most of our costs under control. And there's still a lot of whack in False. terms of how they should be. But False. at least growth over the years... False. They, they don't have things under control. They have far too many city workers. There's way too many people in the payroll. The city should have, put a, should have been put in bankruptcy years ago. If they did, they'd be coming out of it. This is, and now he wants to borrow $1 billion for the pension system. It, this is a recipe for disaster. But they, they need to trim the workforce. And they, they need to, any new employees, you're no longer in the pension system. All right, let it continue again. Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro, and this is... Mayor Jorge Elorza on Newsmakers. Under control, we're going to be able to handle it. The one cost in our budget that's growing at a rate faster than our revenue is the pension side. And so what's going to happen is, as this continues to grow, it's going to squeeze out all of the other investments on, uh, on the other parts of the budget. And so we're going to have to cut deeper and deeper into the bone. And that's just something that our residents and the city can't, can't afford. So at one point or another... The city will likely re-amortize, but re-amortizing is costly. Oh. And it literally it's kicks the can down the road like a remortgage. That, that's it all is. it does. And when that moment comes, you know, interest rates might not be low, and the pension obligation bond proposal might not be on the table, might not be available. And so you know, we're looking at you know, very bad options in front of us. You know, this is not a situation where there's the ideal. Once people understand the specific circumstances that we find ourselves in, that's when the pension obligation bond begins to make a lot more sense. And look, I, I get it. This is this is really, really complicated. It takes a lot of time Not to really. explain and, and digest the information. 
what we are finding is when people genuinely sit down and go through and, and, and understand the circumstances and the proposal, we win them over. So wrong. You know, this isn't going to work because the two guy, two people that are going to face him in a primary for governor, Dan McKee, the governor and General Treasurer Seth Magazino. Why, why are they going to let him off the hook? Why would they let him off the hook? When Alors even says, you know, he sent out a fundraising, I'm redoing our pension system. No, he's not. He's trying to borrow $1 billion. It's just going to make the situation worse. All right, it continues. What we need to do is just get out there and make the case and explain to folks, you know, why this makes sense. What do you do if, if it doesn't pass, if they leave and, and go home and they, they didn't enact it? You've talked about now. Is It's not something you can talk about for 10 years and maybe do later. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're exploring all of our options right now. There are not many good options. So we're going to keep pushing over the next couple of weeks in the General Assembly. Now, there is talk about the General Assembly coming back at some point in the fall. You know, I hope that this doesn't extend into the fall, but we're, we're dead set on making as strong a push as possible so that we can start with this right away. And uh, if we get approval, you know, do this before interest rates begin to begin to rise and this option is no longer available. You, you say you're exploring many options. This option com- comes up from time to time. Um, is bankruptcy one of them? Yeah. Bankruptcy really isn't an option. Huh. Um, and uh, um, you know, I, I find myself explaining Should be. Uh, why it isn't very, very often. People want to know, well, what would happen if we go to bankruptcy? Well, first of all, you have to be, uh, quote unquote, insolvent. You, you can't be able to pay your everyday bills. Stop we the are- tape for a moment. You know what a problem here is, folks, is, and again, good afternoon at 115. It's John DePietro. A problem is the word. And this, this is 2011. Ten years ago, Providence Bay Angel Tavares wanted to put the city and use a different word, restructuring something. Chafee wouldn't let him. Chafee wouldn't let him. And it just keeps getting worse. Cities like Detroit that went into bankruptcy emerge much stronger. But this, his whole goal here, Alorza, by the way, doing this interview without a tie-on, is to try to have a stronger record for when he's running for governor in, in um, next September, next year. But he says it's not an option. It's actually the only option. All right, it continues. Far from that right now. Um, but let's say things go south, things go really sour, and we do find ourselves in insol- uh, insolvent. Then what the city would uh, would have to do, we'd have to have maximum tax increases for a series of years. We'd have to significantly cut services. We wouldn't be able to touch the pension liability, but we would have to cut services before we even get before a bankruptcy court judge. If we do get before a bankruptcy court judge, then uh, very likely we're going to see you know much more pretty hefty tax increases. I think this would be terrible for the city, um, and an even further reduction in services. And uh, our our legal advisors tell us that, you know, it's interesting enough, you know, people think that maybe we could go to bankruptcy, we can wipe out this pension liability or at least significantly cut it. The reality is that uh, there's very little case law in this, but drawing from the case law that does exist, um, our, our advisors tell us that the unfunded pension liability is likely to remain almost entirely intact. You know, he's wrong, and I know something about this from 10 years ago, where he's completely wrong is the benefit. It's not tax increases. Taxes would go down. The benefit is to get out of the binding 
uh, grueling union contracts. The whole purpose of bankruptcy is to get out of these death spiral union contracts that are crippling the city. All right, it continues. Part of the unique circumstances that we have and that's different from other other cities uh, that have gone bankrupt is we have the 2012 consent decree which basically uh, creates a floor and we have the supreme court opinion from a year and a half ago so this is not a soft liability that we may or may not be able to pay this is a hard liability and the case that we're making with the uh, with the pension bond folks say why are you taking on more debt the reality is that we're not taking on more debt this is already a hard debt that we have because of the pension and what we'd be, do- we would be doing is much more akin to a refinancing, taking that debt and replacing it with debt at more, much more favorable terms. One more question. There's so much to talk about with you. I don't want to over-litigate the pension stuff. But counselors, former Councilman Zuri put in a letter to the House Finance Committee. And his issue was the fact that right now you're not, this is not call for voters to get to vote right. on the pension bond. This, I think this might be the biggest one-time borrowing in Rhode Island history, let alone yeah. Providence. Why not at least call a special election and let the voters endorse this like they can with much smaller bonds? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, we don't know how long this window of opportunity is going to last. But if that's the concern, then I'm very, I'm very flexible with the proposal that we put forward. And if that's what's stopping this from going forward, I'm happy to put it to a special election and put it to the voters. All right, I want to change topics. Uh, our colleague, Courtney Carter, spent uh, some time at a homeless encampment on Wilson Street. Again, this Street. is Tim White, uh, the Channel 12, people Merrill Lawrence. City there were given 48 hours notice by City Hall to clear out of there. Yes. Did you authorize that? Uh, so this is our policy in the city. And... Uh, it, you know, people living in. Let me stop it for folks. This is the problem with the progressive. This is the problem with the progressive mayor. Because this is so unfair to the people in the neighborhood that they've set up, quote, this homeless encampment. They're trespassing. It's not their property. They don't belong there. We have homeless shelters. We have other provisions. That should not be an option. Let's hear how he answers it. That's not a solution. It's not a permanent solution. It's not a temporary solution. Now, what, I, uh, what I've said publicly and I've said directly to, to the spokespeople uh, from the encampment that I've spoken with is, you know, we're going to do the compassionate thing. We're not going to put them out on the street with nowhere to go. We're going to make sure that they have a roof over the head, be it a shelter or a hotel, hotel room or whatever oh. it takes. Wow. Uh, while they're searching, you know, while we're working all together to find a permanent solution to Why? where they're going to go. Why? So, um, Why does the government have to try to help them find a place to go? There wasn't a fire burned out. They just want to bounce around. No, it's, it's their responsibility. Folks, if you're listening right now, and again, I think we can say this without being considered, you know, uh, mean-spirited or, but it's 120 on this Monday. Did, did someone help you find a place to live? Someone say to you, we'll put you up in a hotel for how long? This, this is becoming, they, they, then they just become more dependent. See, this is the problem. This guy is the ultimate progressive. We're going to find the compassionate. No, there's no compassion for the people in the neighborhood. Touch uh, directly with the folks. I look forward to sitting down uh, with the folks in the encampment to get a sense of, you know, what is it that they need? How can we support them? How can we, well, you know, how you, can we solve the situation? That, you'll have to do that soon, right? I mean, the, yeah. the notice went out. We're taping it on Friday. Friday. Yeah. Notice went out 24 hours ago. They got 24 hours left. So today, you're going down there today? 
Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm hoping to set something up for today. So hopefully in the very near future, I'll be, I'll be sitting down with them. Well, they're, they're just there all day. You can go whenever. It's not like you got to wait for them to come back from work. They don't work. They don't work. And I also keep in mind the neighbors couldn't get a meeting with them. The people in the neighborhood are upset about this homeless encampment. Folks, you watch. These could start to spring up all over the state. The, the, the tax-paying neighbors who own their land and homes couldn't get a meeting with the mayor. He spent 45 minutes with the homeless encampment. I want to understand them. I, I want to talk to them directly. And uh, I'm confident that you know, if we all put our you know, problem solver hat on, we can solve this issue uh, together, just as we solve uh, so many issues in the city. Uh, but you know, I, think that, I think most of us agree that people living in tents is not a solution. You know, we, um, it's, it's not a permanent solution, and it's not a temporary solution. You know, this, this is something that... Let me just stop the tape. Listen, they don't want to live in a shelter. In shelters, you can't bring alcohol drugs or weapons or pets they don't want to live in a shelter here's the problem this is the problem and folks good afternoon it's 122 you're listening to the john DeBitro show am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com i'm going to tell you what the problem is the problem is the number of people that they're choosing not to work they want you to provide for them free housing Free food, free everything. They want everything free. This is expanding, not getting less. There's plenty of jobs out there. They don't want them. They offer them, we'll put you up in a hotel. They don't want to stay in a hotel. The number of people that are choosing to just, I don't want to work. I want the government. I want the country. I want the cities and states in the United States to take care of me is increasing that's not the united states that's communism but it's becoming larger and there's more politicians that are caving to it it's very dangerous expertise in you're a former housing court judge um and this is a an issue you're going to have to put a band-aid on now with wilson street uh encampment down there but the issue is so much broader here mayor i don't have to tell you that the cost of housing in the northeast alone forget providence is sky high and that affects rent um as these costs continue to go up are you expecting to see more tent cities in in providence we do expect to see this uh to see this uh on the rise part of the challenge is that I believe the state had a um, a, um, a contract with a with a hotel in Warwick that was recently not renewed, and so there, there were spaces available for folks. Now that those spaces aren't available, you know we do expect to see situations like this on the rise. You know, one of the biggest challenges, or you know, part of the reason why it's so hard to be in this role as mayor is that. Regardless of what level of government or what level of society and the solutions lie or the causes are, you know, the challenges, they manifest themselves at the local level. And, uh, you know, we, um, we don't have all of the resources that other folks do at different levels. But still, you know, we have to work with what we have to find solutions. And that's why I'm going to sit down with them to find a common solution uh, that not only provides a temporary, but we work towards a
long-term fix. So you and I talked about two months ago about the big infusion of cash that's coming to Providence under President Biden's American Rescue Plan Act, well over $100 million over a couple of years. You don't have to spend it all at once. Um, last time we talked, one of the ideas you mentioned was uh, helping small businesses in the city get their move their operations online, but you've certainly had two more months to Think about it, talk about it, talk with others. What else are you thinking about right now? Thinking about that unique infusion of money that's coming from the feds. Yeah, there, there's so many things that we're looking at right now. Uh, we, um, we're also committed to a process. So working with the city council, we created a committee. And uh, oh. they're going to be reaching out to the broader community, God. proposing recommendations to us. Why do you have to reach out to a committee? What is wrong with these people? You're in charge. You're supposed to know exactly where the money should go. What do you mean you're creating a committee? Everything with this crowd is a blanking committee. Nobody knows how to make a decision. Have to form a committee to decide you're in charge. This is your second term as the blanking mayor. You need a committee to tell you where the money should go. I, I, I'm telling you. Folks, they, they were impossible of things that we'll do, but I'll tell you some of my priorities that I would like to see done. So uh, supporting our small businesses and making sure that they're ready for the post-pandemic economy. I'm also very interested in supporting youth throughout the city and out of school time, meaning making investments before they enter kindergarten and deeper investments during the summer and making sure that they continue to learn and grow wherever they are throughout the city. What does that even mean? I'm also very interested in uh, supporting infrastructure projects throughout the city. Um, housing uh, is an important part of it, and I think that you know, speaking about the uh, the unsheltered uh, encampment um, that we're experiencing right now, you know, thankfully we have some resources that we can that we can use to address this at a structural, at a you know, at a permanent level. So there's so much that we stop that we the want tape a moment. Uh, you know what he is not identifying is, folks, as we've been saying, if you allow people, if you tell people, you don't have to work. We'll, we will pay you not to work. What do you think is going to happen? People won't work. It's that simple. It's that simple. This is not complicated. If you keep instructing people, don't worry. Don't worry about work. We'll put a roof over your head and feed you and give you whatever you need. You know, there was a woman in the video they showed that has those Beats headphones. Those are expensive headphones. They all have expensive cell phones headphones, all this other stuff. You know what they don't have? A job. Plenty of jobs. They don't want to work. And now you have people like Galorza saying, you know what? You don't have to work. We'll take care of you. What about everybody else? The taxpayers, the people who work on that street, they can't get a meeting with the mayor. He ended up spending 45 minutes with the homeless encampment make sure that we're taking full advantage of this. You know, this is a once in a lifetime, once in a They're going to blow through the money. Let's make deep investments that prepare our city uh. for the post-pandemic world um, and uh, make sure that this money, that, the, that these resources, they provide that foundation for the world, for the city that we want to create going forward. So I'm really excited about what's to what come and I'm open-minded about? about the investments we'll make. Quick technical question. Has any of the money hit the city's bank account yet? I know the like application could now be put It came in. in about a week ago, yes. Okay, so you just get yeah. interest now? Yeah, and, uh, and, and part of it too is... Um, you know, explicitly, part of this money is for revenue replacement. So we've lost revenue over oh, the past couple of years, God. and it provides support for our budget. So as part of the budget that we have already proposed to the city council, we're already planning to use part of 
part of those dollars. They're going to blow through it. Still it still leaves over $100 million for us to invest in creative oh, God, and forward What a waste. All right, we're going to take a break here on the program. When we come back, the turmoil in the Providence Public. You know, you know what's amazing? This is the guy that one, set up the, all the giving meters that are not working. I need a committee to tell me what to do with the money that they're getting from the government that they're going to blow through. The downtown has not, this is Mayor Lorza now, Channel 12. The downtown has not recovered from the riot. He is a failing downtown. People don't want to go to the city anymore. Crime, safety, homeless, panhandlers, protesters, uh, all kinds of image problems. All this money. And you know where else they, they want to go after the, the, um, the, the colleges to give them more money? Because they just keep blowing through the money. I mean, this is like they, they act like drunken sailors that blow all their money on leave. All right, let it continue. I want to hear his comments about the school contract. Again, this is Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza. I told News Politics Editor Ted Nisi, our guest this week is Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza. I want to pivot to Providence Public Schools Mayor. Dr. Javier Montañez was picked as a temporary superintendent for Providence Public Stop the tape just for a moment. Oh, keep in mind that he no longer Alorza now. He no longer has anything to do with the, the Providence schools because because of the school takeover, he was removed from any type of responsibility with uh, the schools. So I want to hear exactly how they're going to sum it up with him. If the contract gets reformed. All, right. all of these things, we're sort of nibbling at the margins and the edges. All right, hold on. Let me, let me back up to completely turn around a little bit. Here we go. Once again, you weren't invited to that announcement. Is that oh. insulting? That's a good question. Let me hear this. And, and part of it, too, is announcements during the summer and making sure that fine, but you certainly have two more months to think about it, talk about it, talk with others. What else are you thinking about right now? Thinking about that unique infusion. All right. So that's about the. That's coming from the feds. Yeah, there, there's so many things that we're looking at right now. All right. Uh, we, um, we're also. Hold on. To a process, so working with the city council, we created a uh, uh, All right, let me just read this while we're he's going about his committee. Folks, reminding you about West Fountain Auto Body. If you're in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 272-3340. Did someone damage your vehicle over the weekend? Call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401 272-3340 West Fountain Auto Body. Kenny will repair your vehicle. Again, if someone damaged your vehicle, small dent to an early total vehicle, you can depend on West Fountain. Call them today 401-272-3340 401-272-3340 It's West Fountain Auto Body. The original, the best since 1927. It's West Fountain Auto Body. You can depend on them. They will repair your vehicle showroom-like condition. If someone was in an accident, if you were in an accident or a friend or family member, call West Fountain 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340. Folks, remember, it's West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence, right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. You can depend on West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340. Again, small dent. Near, nearly total vehicle, you can depend on West Fountain. They will repair your vehicle, showroom-like condition, and get it back on the road. And they're going to fight for you, not the insurance company. Again, if you're in an accident, someone damaged your vehicle, drunk driver, 
someone texting and driving. There are just people that don't pay attention. Call West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340. They're going to repair your vehicle, showroom-like condition. The original, the best. It's West Fountain, 272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this uh, Monday. Now, I want to rejoin. This was Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza on with Channel 12. Once again, you weren't invited to that announcement. Is that insulting? I I, I don't get into any of that. Um, Let me say, uh, Dr. Montañez. Yes, it was. um, He's an incredible, incredible human being. He went from, he was homeless at one time. Everybody's homeless. Now leads our district. As people get to know him, they're going to fall in love with him. Really, really great, great guy. He does have a remarkable story. Do you want him to be the permanent guy? However, there is not a human being alive that's going to be able to turn around this district with the existing contract. That is just the reality. That's why we brought in the state. The whole idea, right, the state doesn't have any magical, uh, uh, anything magical about running the district that we don't have, but they do have the power under the Crawley Act to reform the contract. That's why we brought them in. But it's been about two years, and still there's been zero progress on reforming this contract. You know, there's so many things that need to be done. We need the right leader. We need the right policies. We need right investments. But the linchpin to all of this is we've got to reform the contract. Unless the contract gets reformed, all of these things, we're sort of nibbling at the margins and the edges. We need to completely turn around a district that's been failing our kids for 40 years. A district that's the poster child for structural racism. A district that serves adults at the expense of kids. That's why we brought the state in, because they can change the contract. However, it's been two years, they still haven't done it, and I'm going to keep pressing that we need to we need to change the contract ASAP. Can we get concrete? You know, is there, you know, I know there's a million things in the contract, and there's a million things you're probably thinking about, but, you know, at a high level, if you had to name the top two or three things you, that, that are in that contract that you think hold back Providence schools that you want the state to change, what are they? Yeah, so you're, you're right, there, there's a myriad of issues, and when you talk to principals, they say everything gets grieved everything and it limits their ability to just you know run their own schools run their own departments so part of it is just everything it's too thick but to answer your question ted you know what's at the heart of it at the heart of it is seniority 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 privileges that's the sacred cow for the providence teachers union i can hear teachers exploding at home you know senior teachers why do you want to get rid of the teachers who've been here you know we're not the problem yeah you know say say a principal uh, a teacher that's been there for a long time is uh, just not delivering for kids and should be moved, should be transferred, can't should be assigned. A principal effectively can't do nope. anything of that no. because they have seniority, they have privileges. Yep. You know, again, it's a system that um, serves, serves adults at the expense of kids. And so at the heart of it, we got to address... Um, and we don't have to completely eliminate seniority, but now seniority counts for pretty much the entire, the entire bit, and it ties the hands of principals. Just as I said that as phenomenal as Dr. Montañez is, it's impossible to turn around the district under the existing contract. It's the same thing at the school level. You can have a phenomenal principal, the most capable, competent person, but it's impossible for them to turn around the schools under the existing contract, and seniority is at the heart of the reason why. You know, I've done a few stories on... Um, Can I just the, stop the tape you, for a moment? You, 
permit, the difficulty of moving on from um, teachers that might be ineffective. On the flip side of that, when, when you talk to uh, folks in the union, they say, no, that's, an, that's a failure on the administration. There's a process in which they can move on from ineffective. It, it's, it's really simple. You can't hire who you want to hire. Everything is seniority based. That's, he's not wrong. That's a major problem. I don't think these guys are fully getting that. But you can't hire who you want to. And you can't get, get anybody out of the system. When someone gets into the system, folks, you cannot get rid of a bad teacher. And if a job opens, it, it goes to the seniority route. So you can never fully hire who you want to hire. It's all about that. All right, let's see how it continues teachers, but they just don't do the work that needs to be done leading up to that point. Uh, technically true, but, but in practice, um, it's, it's very misleading. So it's not only the contract, but it's also state law on top of it right. that gives them so many protections. You know, a principal can easily spend his entire day in weeks and months trying to remove one bad teacher. Yep. That's how onerous the process is. can have arbitration. It's just such an onerous oh. process. So in reality, um, it's, it's virtually impossible to remove bad teachers. And, it, you know, I'll, I'll say that, um, you know, I've tried to reform a contract through negotiations. Can't. And uh, I think you all, you all remember what happened. Yep. And I had 300, 400 teachers shouting me down. You know, when, uh, when I wouldn't budge, uh, they, they did work to rule. Meaning they wouldn't perform anything beyond what they were mandated to do under wow. the contract. They were willing to sacrifice the children so yep. that they could get uh, more leverage at the negotiation table. Correct. And remember, when they can't get what they want at the negotiation table, then they go to then they go to the general assembly and they change state law. They yep. get evergreen contracts. That's right. Look, if you look at the He's last three years in the in the Providence School Department, the most powerful entity has not been mayors, superintendents, school boards, commissioners. The most powerful entity has been the Providence Teachers Union. So at some point, you know, when we look at the failing district and who's responsible, who's accountable for, you know, we just have to acknowledge that they hold all the leverage. Yep. And I don't see a world where they agree to give up seniority and many of the privileges they that they've been able to bake into the contract and yep. into state law. That's why, look, I've been there, done that. Let's not repeat the same mistakes of the past and the past and the past and the past. The state has the power to change the contract. Let's just get on with it. Yeah. I know it's a tough decision. I know it's going to be messy. I know that uh, people are going to flip out. They're going to be really upset. But it's got to be done for That's our right. kids. And He's not wrong. Mayor, I, you know, I don't exactly think you as a, a Republican, a conservative, or anything like that. And yet, when I tweeted out an, an essay you wrote the other day about this issue, the blowback from progressives, and I generally think of you as a progressive on most of the issues, was enormous that you're trying to union bust, that you're blaming labor unions, talking about you like like some of the Republicans who are very controversial. What do you say to people you generally consider your allies on the in the Democratic Party on the left? Who who say you can't you know you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be targeting a union labor unions are part of our coalition yeah so I would say if we're talking about supporting unions you know when I think about supporting unions oh, I think about you know, the little guys banding together oh. and taking on the powers that be terrible school on the system empire. that's a righteous cause that I can get behind 
But what has happened specifically with the Providence Teachers Union is that the Providence Teachers Union has become the empire. Yep. And they're acting like the power that be. That's right. They're looking to protect their advantage and to protect their privilege. Yep. They do that through seniority. They, they do that through evergreen contracts. Yep. And we can appeal to them all we want that let's do the right thing for our kids. But, you know, let's, let, let's just be honest about it. Union leadership, they have a fiduciary responsibility to look out for their members. Their fiduciary responsibility is not to look out for the kids, it's to look out for their members. So I almost don't even blame the executive committee, right? The issues aren't particular to one person, they're structural. And that's why we need to address it at a structural level. And I don't think there's anyone who would disagree that the contract stands in the way of progress. The contract stands with chains that our kids need and deserve. Yep. And that's what I want to continue focusing He's on. He's not wrong. All of these things matter, but it's not truly going to move the needle unless we change the contract. We set it up so that the, the state can just come in and do it, but it just hasn't happened yet. Right. Let's get on with it. Let's do it. Mayor, before we walked into the studio, your campaign uh, sent out an email seeking people to chip in 10 15 20 dollars uh, to your campaign your term limited as mayor is that money going to be used for a potential run for governor yeah you know th that's something that that i'm looking at i've been public about exploring it but i'll tell you we just have so many important irons in the fire right now what i can say unequivocally is that my focus is on you know these next three weeks making sure we pass our budget here at the city level making sure that uh, we continue to press the issue at the general assembly on statewide issues um, and just focus on getting the job done if i do choose to run really the most important thing is my track record here in the city so you know let's just focus huh. on getting the job done here track record in the city they took the schools away from him right they need to borrow one billion for the pension and again folks good afternoon it's John DePietro. It's 142 on this Monday. Uh, the city has not recovered from the riot. He wants to institute and bring in reparations for any people of color in Providence. He, he is, they say progressive. He's a socialist. One thing he's not wrong on, though, is the, when he talks about, and I won't, but the Providence Teacher Union contract, it is set up to fail. The structure of it is set up to fail. All right, let me just hear the rest of this. Providence and those things will take When, when do you think you need to decide? Yeah, I don't know, maybe three, four, five months from now, I'd say. Okay. You think there's a lot of time. Some people have said to me that uh, since there's now an incumbent Democratic governor and it's not an open seat like, like we'd all thought it might be when Gina Armando was still here, maybe the mayor should considering for a different office like Secretary of State or Chip Treasurer that's going to be open. Would you consider that? No, to be honest with you, remember, I don't come from politics. Um, and uh, when, I, when I was younger, I swore that I would never run, run for office. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't enjoy the, the politicking and the, the pure politics part of it. Um, what I like about this is just uh, putting a problem-solving solving hat on and fixing problems. He hasn't solved any problems. that we have. And you can do that best at the executive level. That's why, you know, being Providence mayor, is uh, not only the toughest. Still unbelievable, this guy's the mayor, the state, isn't it? But it's the Think best about that. political position in the state. I've loved every part of it because I'm a problem solver every single day, and I'm only interested in one. Doesn't solve any problems. Problem solve um, at, at, oh. at another level. Briefly, do you think you'll endorse a, your own potential successor in that race? It depends. You know, it, it's, it's so hard to build up 
and it's so easy for things to just fall apart the way they so, have you know there's a lot of there are a lot of good candidates uh, in the race right now if i believe that you know independent of ideology but if i believe that perhaps someone is emerging that just doesn't have what it takes to you know, be a good mayor um, i um, you know i'll likely get involved but as long as there are good competent capable people that look like you know they're going to be the next mayor um, I, I don't see myself getting involved. Mayor, we have a little over a minute here, and I, I did want to ask you about this before we ran out of time. Summer's coming up, yeah. um, and there's a deadline for application for youth programs and summer jobs. W what do people need to know? Yeah, so that's been a big investment gonna, that we've made. Over I'm going to skip that one. Folks, again, um, Mayor Lorza on Newsmakers, um, pretty wide-ranging. Uh, nothing. I, I, I know it would sound mean, but the, the guy... I think uh, the columns by Dan McGowan have highlighted him very accurately, which is he he just likes to come up with ideas, but they're not, there's no follow through. There's nothing as far as follow through in getting them over the finish line. And I don't know if it's a, a great analogy, but an analogy that I kind of mentioned was an element of if, if you're Coach Belichick and you're in the locker room and you're drawing up all these incredible plays, it, it doesn't matter unless you can go out to the field at Foxborough, Gillette Stadium, and execute it. If you can't do that, it's just a, a play in the locker room. And Alors is big on that. But, you know, he's not alone. That, that was always the Cicilline thing. See, the way they view it is intentions are everything. It doesn't matter. Results shouldn't matter to them. It's all just on intention. Now, I'm, I'm looking at some other headlines. Dem exploring one-time patriot tax on wealthy. Worker shortage spreads. Forget about going back to the office. Some people are just quitting instead. Average vehicle age hits record 12 years. Wow. Um... What is this flight diverted after off-duty flight attendant becomes unruly? <sighs> McConnell says he will block Biden from filling vacancy. That's interesting. Now, the big thing coming up on Wednesday is going to be Putin is basically laughing at the fact that he's going to deal with President Biden. And I, I feel I don't like talking about that. I don't like the fact of even... Speaking about that, about an American president against someone who is an international gangster and murderer. But um, listen, the, the problems are Russia and China. The problems are Russia and China. Now, I am seeing this. There was a Friday news dump regarding South Kingstown. And what we're learning is that it was, in fact... There was this question of who leaked information where they were giving out information about children. The South Kingstown School District released a statement. Linda Stavisano, the superintendent, most people understand family education prohibits disclosure of certain student records, uh, blah, blah, blah. During the course of my 30 years, I served, I received various requests. Um, the request was not different in any kind of form requests I received. On April 8th, I received a request by half of Friends of South Kingstown Schools for directory information. So I provided the information that I have my involvement. 
And then I'm very sorry this occurred because then they use that for the mailer. Please know that neither I nor the school committee sent a mailer to South Kingstown residents. We had no idea a person would be sending a mailer address to school children. Oh, my God. Uh, I know the school committee provided that information, the AFL-CIO, but it does appear they received it. Well, they gave it to that check, check, uh, checkpoint communications so or checkmate. Deep, deeply sorry I delayed in telling the school committee I had provided director information. This lady's known since April 8th. I had not connected the dots from the request to mail list that was sent to the community, but I should have made those. What an embarrassment. It was the superintendent that violated it. Wow. And then there's this group, um, superintendent, she puts out, so you have the superintendent. Well, then now there are people calling that that she should resign. Folks, because then you had people going around the parents and communicating directly with children. I'll tell you, that's South Kingstown. This also has to do the same um Group that was going after that mother, Paula Bradley, South Kingstown, superintendent statements were released. It implicates both the superintendent, Lisa Sabastano, and Stacey Bosnia, the Friends of South Kingstown. Oh, my God. The school committee is revising its policies. And this woman put out, please step down from your role as the superintendent of South Kingstown. Children deserve better. You've had seven weeks to come forward. It wasn't until the subpoenas were starting to go out that these people came forward. Oh, my God. Total betrayal to the children and the parents. This woman, Stacy Bazzani, I don't know who these, I don't know who these people are, but they were providing the union with all this information regarding, and I mean young children. She let the town go to court saying she, they didn't know how the local union got the names and needed to enforce the subpoena, knowing all along she did it. Court hearing was coming up, so the subpoena was enforced. It would come out, she wanted to get ahead of it. So Friday night, this superintendent in South Kingstown dumped the news that she's the one that leaked the names of the students. What an absolute disgrace. You know, but these, I'm not shocked, folks, that these people when it when it comes to money and power wow uh south kingstown update mom requested math curriculum what the south kingstown sent her was out of date and not currently in use she filed a complaint they rebuttal the ag is arguing that providing old outdated curriculum is sufficient for the request (laughs) my goodness how terrible um, but it's th- this is also what is not being talked about of the power of the unions. I mean, I, I feel bad for people that are still trying to rely on the public schools because and even you had I'll, I'll even I'll say this. Um, Mayor Alorza, who I don't agree with on things, but he's not wrong about what he said. And I don't think people fully understand or get that you just can't accomplish things. Because the union just completely ties their hands. And, and I think that was obvious. But it, it, it is tough. It's tough to try to get information. It's tough trying to get accurate information. Um, and, and they're very, very powerful. 
let me play a little bit. Folks, again, good afternoon. It's 152 on this Monday. This is President Biden, his remarks at the uh, G7 summit. He's having a little bit of a tough time. Um, we can work together with Russia, for example, uh, in, uh, in Libya. We should be opening up the, in Syria. the, the passes to be able to go through and provide, uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assistance. I mean, vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. I think I'm going to try very much hard to, uh, it is, by the way, there's places where I shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here, but let me say it this way. Russia uh. has engaged in activities which are, we believe, are contrary to international norms, but they have also um, uh, Bitten off some real problems they're going to have trouble chewing on. And for example, the rebuilding of, uh, of, uh, of Syria, of, uh, of Libya, of, you know, this is, oh, they're God. there. And it's as long as they're there the without the ability to bring about some order in the, in the region, and you can't do that very well without providing for the basic economic needs of people. So I'm hopeful that we can find an accommodation that where we can save the lives of people in, for example, in, uh, in Libya, uh, that, uh, Oh my God. Keeps confusing Libya and Syria three times during his remarks. Folks, I mean, the, the, uh, there's the expression, you know, someone lost their fastball a little bit. And then there's the president. I mean, that goes beyond, um, ah, uh, now, there's this story. Police spent 200 hours investigating an apparent hate crime. They believe the complainant made up the story to earn a better shot at gaining a leadership position in the Black Student Union. Michigan student likely egged her own door to stroke racial outrage. A student at Wayne State University of Michigan egged her own door after she was found to be the primary sex suspect for the alleged hate crime outside her residence. They spent 200 hours investigating the hate crime hoax. Uh, the transfer student initially told the authorities she believed the crime took place because she was a black person living in the space. She alleged someone ed the door of a residence home, removed an LGBT pride sticker from her door. She also claimed the crime happened during two separate instances, February 16th and March 1st. After police inspected the available evidence, they concluded it appeared she committed the crime herself and change the narrative to stoke outrage and attention. There's absolutely no indicators of any racial intent, police wrote. She was trying to make up the story to get a better shot at gaining a leadership position in the Black Student Union. The report was obtained by the college fix under the Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> Further, the complainant's motivation and ambition to become an officer in the Black Student Union um, Police said an unidentified person with knowledge of the matter refused to provide information. You know, it, it, it's always that way, right? And there's so much more of that going on. You know what's um, is is interesting is how people are then insulted and shocked if you bring up the fact that 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 could be the cause, that that's who could be behind it. Um, and then it's it's very understandable that that's. A- Exactly who was, in fact, behind it. So there, there is a large group 
that victimhood suits them. Go through life as the victim. Always try to portray themselves as the victim. Look what these people are doing to me, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, again, on this uh, rainy Monday, maybe you've been thinking about having some paving done. Remember, J. Perry Paving, they provide high-quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. They specialize in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating, general masonry projects. J, letter J, J. Perry Paving, residential, commercial, seal coating, patios. Call them today, 732-1730. 732-1730, J. Perry Paving. Give them a call, 732-1730. And remember, if you're a veteran, they'll do a tremendous job. They have a great package for you. Call today, residential asphalt driveway. Learn about the benefits of asphalt paving. J. Perry Paving. Call them for a free quote, 401-732-1730. They are also on Facebook. Uh, And again, why not? Maybe you've decided whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. You can depend on J, letter J, J Perry Paving. Call them today, 732-1730, 732-1730 for J Perry Paving. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's 158, and it's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is depetro.com. So this story out of South Kingstown, they dumped it Friday night. It will start to play up a little bit more. We'll get more details about it regarding it was, in fact, the superintendent who put out the information. Now, that person needs to resign. Uh, I don't know this individual. I know it's the end of the school year, but that superintendent and there's another person involved with it as well. They're the ones that leaked confidential private information about children. Children um, as young as seven years old, six years old, eight years old. And they leaked it to the union that wanted to send a mailer to the children to demand, tell your parents you want a brand new school. Uh, that superintendent needs to step down. And then also we'll follow the situation with the homeless encampment. Uh, I feel bad for the people in that neighborhood. I'll be over there at some point. Probably do a Facebook Live over there, depending on the weather. But if if this is not stopped, this will start to become the norm. This won't be the exception. You're going to start to see homeless encampments popping up everywhere. Folks, remember, if you want to get a hold of me, please visit the website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. And you can also get some great merchandise in the shop if you want to reach me. We also have some uh, great, unique stories that you can uh, follow, video exclusive as well. And all the links to social media right there at the website, which is DePetro.com. It's Sean DePetro. Stay tuned. John Dion program is next after the 2 o'clock news. We're back tomorrow at 11.